Well, I'm happy because I'm the head coach. I mean, I, you know, really, really happy. But I'm, I'm hoping that the whole state and you and everybody that follows Arkansas is ecstatic about the Hogs winning. Again, I think this is what should happen at Arkansas. Now, I'm not saying we ought to win every game, but we're the University of Arkansas. When you look at Eric and Dave, they're doing it. Dyfo and everybody, they're doing it. University of Arkansas should happen to us. And you mentioned just the scheme, that 3-2-6. Where did y'all sort of get the idea, and how, when did you start implementing that look? You know, we've been thinking about that since uh, the Sunday after our game last year. Once again, we did not make it easy. I would certainly like that one time. Um, yeah. Yeah, Coach, it looked like you had three or four opportunities to hit on touchdown passes and just couldn't connect. Can you talk about that, what a big factor it was? <laughs> yeah, it's a big factor if you're going to miss touchdowns. Uh, hey, Brian, can you sort of take us through your mind, first of all, as TJ's making that play on the fourth down? Yeah, good yeah. questions. Um, I probably can't repeat what's going through my mind. I want to issue a challenge, and I want it to be heard right now. You know, we got a huge game next week at 12 o'clock in Athens, Georgia. We'll have an opportunity to put on a heck of a show at 12 o'clock in Sanford Stadium next week. Thanks, and go dogs. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm flying solo for this episode, but I got a terrific show lined up for you. Man alive, do we got some great matchups this weekend in the SEC. Arkansas at Georgia. Ole Miss at Alabama. Those are the games I'll be breaking down looking ahead of course we're gonna be talking about those games all week long but you know there's just so much hype and anticipation over those two games so wanted to do take a wanted to take a deep dive on those to start the week but uh, before we get to, to what we've got we've got an announcement for the show wanted to make the listeners well aware man we are crushing it with our numbers we're approaching 200,000 audio downloads for the podcast this month that would be an all-time high if we get there but that's not the news. The news is we are changing podcast platforms. So what does that mean for you guys, the audience? It should mean nothing. Uh, we're going to still be available on all the platforms. Wherever you're listening to this podcast now, we'll be on that platform. If you're watching on YouTube, nothing, absolutely nothing will change on the YouTube. Just want to make that note that on Friday, we're changing podcast networks. And I'm going to keep saying that until Friday. The reason being, if for whatever reason the podcast does not appear on your feed on Friday, you may have to hit unsubscribe and resubscribe. That just refreshes your feed. Now, from what they're telling me, you shouldn't even need to do this. But I'm just letting you guys know because, of course, we come out every day. If Friday you're looking for your picks pod and it's not showing up, that may be why. So uh, just a heads up, show's not changing. Nothing's going to change. Just it's kind of stuff on the back end, and I know we've done this before, and we lost a couple of y'all, so we really, really don't want to miss anyone. And based on what they're telling us behind the scenes here, nothing should change on your end, but just something to keep aware of. And again, the first day of this will be October first, which is Friday. Man, the, the calendar's flying when it's SEC football time. You know what? So something to be aware of. Again, if you don't get your show on Friday, maybe try unsubscribing I hate to even mention that and then just quickly hitting that resubscribe however you get your show 
you know, that that's a last resort in case it doesn't happen. But uh, the podcast is growing. This is a change we had to make on, on our end. It made a lot of business sense for us. So just wanted to keep uh, the audience in check with what's going on there. But hey, on to the stuff you guys really care about. SEC football, we've got two huge games. Hell, really, we've got uh, several huge games, including Florida at Kentucky. We'll get into that on the next episode a lot more. But before we get to this weekend's games, which is it's hard to believe we're in week five of the season already. Here on Monday, the SEC announced the week six kickoff time. So I want to break those down here, throw them up on the screen. But we've got a couple noon game here to start the day. Vanderbilt at Florida. That's going to be on SEC Network at noon Eastern time, 11 o'clock Central here on October 9th. South Carolina at Tennessee. That's going to be on ESPN2 also at noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central. And then here's where things get kind of tricky. Possibly Arkansas at Ole Miss. That will either be the noon Eastern 11 o'clock Central game on ESPN right after college game day, or it could be flexed. We've got our first doubleheader SEC on CBS action coming October 9th. And the marquee game of the night, I know I'm kind of bouncing all around, but Alabama at Texas A&M. That was already announced in the preseason. That's going to be the second game of the doubleheader on CBS. SEC on CBS, Alabama at Texas A&M, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central, of course, on CBS. So that's the tricky part. The first game of that CBS doubleheader has not yet been decided. It's either going to be Arkansas at Ole Miss or it's going to be Georgia at Auburn. So I think the network is probably going to wait and see, you know, who wins this Arkansas-Georgia game, who wins the Ole Miss-Alabama game. I mean, because depending on those outcomes certainly changes things here for Ole Miss and Arkansas, making them a lot more attractive potentially for this uh, first game of the CBS doubleheader. And, hell, they probably want to see, of course, how Georgia fares against Arkansas and perhaps more importantly how Auburn fares at LSU this weekend before making their decision. So Georgia-Auburn, either going to be on CBS or it's going to be the ESPN noon game. Same as Arkansas Ole Miss. So hopefully that's not too confusing for you all. And the other games here, North Texas at Missouri, 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central on SEC Network. And last but not least, another night game for the Kentucky Wildcats, LSU at Kentucky on the SEC Network, 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central. And, you know, the first thing that jumps out to me on this one, South Carolina and Tennessee, you're getting relegated to Nooner on ESPN2. Not terribly surprising, but, uh, you know, that's always been here in recent memory, a really good game, so I'm sure it will be here on October 9th. But the biggest thing, I think, with this schedule release is Kentucky. I know Hell, it seems like uh, Kentucky's the most hated team outside of that state right now. Fans fed up with, uh, you know, all these close wins, all these turnovers. Kentucky's still finding a way. They they sure as hell can't turn the ball over like they have been against the Florida Gators. Otherwise, they're going to not come out on top. But why I really wanted to hit on Kentucky here is just the fact that uh, the SEC, they have really been doing Kentucky some favors here. And if I'm a Wildcat fan, i got to be fired up because – we and you know on this show you're more than a basketball school to us. 
Uh, they've given you the Missouri game at night. They've given you the Florida game at night. And now you got this LSU game at night. You know, it remains to be seen how you'll fare against uh, the Florida Gators. But if you manage to win that, you know, it's already just announced here. It's officially a sellout there at Kroger Field. If you find a way to win, it's hard to imagine that LSU game not going to be a sellout as well. So things are setting up really well for Kentucky. It's interesting that the, the SEC has given them so many night games. But, hey, maybe that's the makings of a, a magical season. You just got to stop those turnovers. But that's the thing that jumps out to me. I, I cannot recall a time when Kentucky has been given so many breaks here in the schedule. Usually they're the, the noon 11 o'clock central game on SEC Network or ESPN, but not this year. Mark Stoops and company getting that respect, and I hope uh, those Kentucky fans realize that uh, you know the SEC's really giving them some momentum here going into such a pivotal stretch here with Kentucky hosting Florida and LSU in the coming weeks. But all right, that's enough of me spieling about the schedule. Let's kick it around the league. Now let's go around the league. You know, this is not a democracy. Everybody doesn't get what to do what they want to do. Everybody don't get to do what they feel like doing. Um, you got to buy in and do what you're supposed to do to, um, you know, be a part of the team and do the things you need to do in practice every day. Uh, sense of urgency, play fast, execute, do your job. You know, guys on the sidelines sitting there pouting. Um, you know, I, I can't stand that either, you know, sit there and pout on a sideline, um, you know, because that's the ultimate and selfish, you know, well, the last play didn't go my way, so I feel so bad. Well, yeah, I mean, nobody thinks, well, you're a tough person when you do that. Nobody thinks that. What they do is they point at you and laugh, and then they nudge their buddy and, hey, you see that guy for this team over there on the sideline? And, 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 and they, they, you know, they'll use words like wimp, although they'll use other ones too, that I think are even better words with regard to uh, describing what I'm witnessing at times. We see you as a tough, hard-nosed, boring football coach. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. Who says that? I think Arkansas was an underdog in every game last year, and I know you guys don't worry I about I know it. we were, yes. <laughs> All right, want to start here in Athens. Man, I mean, how can you pick between these two games? I really went with the, the coaches that gave us the better quotes today. Arkansas at Georgia, top 10 showdown, college game day, ESPN, noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central. Cannot wait for this matchup. You know, each game keeps getting tougher and tougher for the Arkansas Razorbacks, yet they keep continuing to answer the bell. While the Georgia Bulldogs, so much hype with that Clemson showdown. You know, I don't want to say you've lost some luster there because because Clemson's falling apart. That's not on Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, Georgia's the reason that uh, Clemson sucks, I think. I think they'd send them into a tailspin. So this is going to be another opportunity for the Georgia Bulldogs to get them a marquee victory against an undefeated Arkansas team that's red hot, maybe the hottest team in the country the way these Razorbacks are playing for Sam Pittman. And it's not going to come easy, brother. I know it's, uh, you know, the spread is, I think it's still at 19 points, which is pretty bizarre to me. Uh, based on what Sam Pittman's saying, based on what I'm hearing, K.J. Jefferson should be good. Probably not going to be limited at all in this matchup. 
and same goes for Traylon Burks. So Arkansas, you're going to be getting them at full strength. Good news for uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. Sounds like Darnell Washington, Tyke Smith, they will be making their season debuts Saturday against Arkansas. So the Bulldogs, you know, we can't yet say they're at full strength, but they're getting much, much closer, getting some key pieces back for this game. But there's so many matchups to watch in this game. And for me, one with the Georgia Bulldogs that I think is going underreported so far based on uh, the things I've seen and read. You know, Arkansas, I'm not trying to take away from anything they've done. Hell, I'm the one sitting here. I know uh, the guy from the SEC Network says he's driving the uh, <laughs> the hype trade. I mean, give, the same guy said they were going to win five games this year. I feel like I've been uh, driving that thing outside of the state of Arkansas. But in my mind, Arkansas has not seen a passing game that they're going to see in Athens come Saturday because Zach Calzada, I mean, he was rough on Saturday. Let's be, let's keep it real. Same thing with uh, the Texas quarterback. I mean, he had a shot or two. He missed him, not impressed, and now he's riding the bench. They've switched quarterbacks. He was so impressive. So uh, Arkansas, you know, in a, in one hand, Arkansas's got the ability to it, you know, maybe expose these quarterbacks. You could certainly spin it that way as well, but. I just don't know, given how experienced and productive JT Daniels has been during his college career, I think it would be uh, a leap to say you're going to expose him. So how will the Arkansas defense, Barry Odom keeps coming up with these ingenious game plans that the opponent's not ready for. How does he come up with some kind of scheme? Are they going to try to keep everything in front of them like they have been? That may be uh, the, the key here. But Georgia's got some guys that can really blow the top off the defense. Georgia's running game has, you know, I don't want to say been bad because that's not the right word, but they've not been the, the Georgia that we're all used to. Of course, now they're in uh, Todd Munkin's system, a lot more spread you out and throw it all over the yard. So, uh, you know, I just think that uh, Arkansas, their defensive backfield may be at a disadvantage in this matchup going up against Georgia's receivers. Brock Bowers, who's emerging as – Maybe the best freshman tight end in the country. Uh, if, if not, hell, maybe one of the best tight ends in the country. And then you throw in Darnell Washington, and Burton is really starting to come on for the Georgia Bulldogs. This is not a team that's going to be short on weapons to attack this Arkansas defense. Now, on the flip side, you know, this ain't going to just be uh, me hyping up Georgia, go, <laughs> uh, saying they're going to beat the Razorbacks because the last time I checked, uh, Georgia's offensive line, I don't want to call them suspect by any means, but we saw in that Clemson game. I mean, they're, Georgia, it seemed like, was scared to death to uh, leave JT Daniels in the pocket for more than a quarter of a second here. He had to get the ball out of his hands immediately. And what do we just saw from SEC defensive player, defensive lineman of the week, Trey Williams, number 55, the transfer from Missouri. I mean, he just demolished Texas A&M. So that could potentially be another advantage towards Arkansas in this matchup. Trey Williams, Georgia's got to find a way to block him. Uh, we'll get to Sam Pittman comments here in a minute, but he says, hell, we had first-rounders when I was at Georgia uh, at offensive tackle. We couldn't guard this guy, and he's just getting better. So uh, that's another angle to look at it. And, you know, really credit Kirby Smart, and he's really trying to play up. He did it immediately on Saturday in his postgame presser he does it again here on Monday really challenging the fans to come out be rowdy show up in full force I know the noon game is not ideal 
But um, And I think it's because Kirby has so much respect for this Arkansas Razorback team. He knows that the only chance that Georgia's got, I think he realizes that Georgia, you know, if they don't get that crowd in the game, they don't get that support, uh, it could be a long, long day between the hedges there. So interesting comments here from Kirby. Uh, let's kick it over to him. To he, he talk, He's asked about uh, Arkansas's defense and what Barry Odom is doing. Uh, on the fact that uh, both these teams, when you look at the uh, – I referenced the Clemson game, of course, for the Bulldogs. And with Arkansas, it's Texas and Texas A&M. Both these teams have experience in these uh, big game atmospheres early in the season. How will that help uh, this week, getting ready for this such a huge game? And on that monster Arkansas's got on the outside, Traylon Burks, who just took over that uh, Texas A&M game. And now that's going to be the challenge for the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, Coach, I want to ask you about, about Marcus Roseby, Jack Sane. I think he got kind of injured a little bit the other day. And I guess while I'm at it, just a weekly update on Darnell and Tyke, Arian Smith, and uh, who else am I forgetting here? Um, Dom, Dom Blaylock. Yeah, we're, we're, we're Dar Darnell and Tyke are back. You know, we did not take them on the 70 for the main purpose of having them work out. So they got a good workout in Friday. Uh, they got a good workout in Saturday uh, uh, here without us being here. And, and they both ran really well. Um, they're back in drills, they're practicing, they're doing everything this week, full go, um, so that hopefully we have them available. I, mean, I haven't seen them physically practice yet, so we still got to see that, but we're under the expectation they'll be able to uh, go and play and, and, and be, be able to help us. You know? Coach, I want to ask about what Arkansas was uh, doing defensively. It looks like they're kind of going to kind of an umbrella look uh, a, a little bit, and just uh, what about that and the challenges that's going to present on Saturday? Yeah, first off, Barry does an incredible job. Barry is one of the one of the few people that you can say he, he takes what he has and he gets what he has to work really well. So, like, he's been different in different places. He's not been the same guy everywhere he's been. He's, he's morphed. He's changed. He's changed with college football. He's innovative. He goes and looks and studies what other people are doing. Um, he, he, he forces your hand to maybe play left-handed, you know, where you, you can't do some of the things you want to do. Um, he's really good at it. And not only that, he's got some really good players doing it. Make no mistake about it. This is not the Arkansas that we played last year. Okay, those, those guys up front, he's got three transfers, two from Missouri, one from Illinois State, and they play extremely hard, and they're extremely physical, and they create an immense amount of problems for the people they play. And, uh, you know, they, they will not be taken lightly by this group because they're doing an incredible job of creating problems for offenses just look at what they've done with those with really the two big games everybody knows about, but they've really done it in every game. Open the season in terms of a spotlight game with game day, and and uh, your guys are equipped to you know go through a week of preparation uh, you know without being distracted. We haven't really even thought about that because you know I look at it as they've had two massive games as well. I mean, there's no there's no kid that's going to say, oh man, this game was bigger than that game. They, they they're all big. I mean, they're they're all tremendously big games and they only get bigger from here so I don't think anybody has an advantage uh, when it comes to that the advantage we can have is can our crowd impact the game at at 1201 like they could at 801 and that's the challenge that's uh, issued to to our to our fans to prep for that and to be able to help us because you know we got this game at home so that's supposed to be an advantage and we got to try to make it an advantage because the teams that play at home have across the board this year more than last year with packed stadiums 
have uh, you know had some kind of advantage, at least crowd noise wise. Coach, when you should look at a uh, Traylon Burks from Arkansas and just the kind of weapon, he just how big he is, how fast he is. What's that going to present to y'all on Saturday? Yeah, I mean he he was that way last year. He's a competitor, loves the game. I love the way the guy plays, and he's multi-purpose. He can do so many things. Uh, they do a really good job of uh, of using his skill set. I think Coach Bryles does a great job of making sure that the ball can get to him different ways, and uh, he's, he's a football player. Uh, one thing I wanted to add on here, I know Barry Odom is not a popular name with Missouri. I mean, hell, anytime I reference him on Twitter, it's uh, Arkansas fans praising him, Missouri fans bashing him. But one thing you cannot say about bad about Barry Odom when he was at Missouri, go back if you know Missouri fans, if they're being honest, will will vouch for this. Missouri was one of the teams that t- played Georgia tougher than anybody in the SEC East. So Barry Odom knows what he's doing going up against the Georgia Bulldogs, and hell, we saw it last year uh, with uh, Arkansas having the lead at halftime. I know. The quarterback was Mathis, and Stetson Bennett had to come in and save the day. Different story for the Bulldogs this year. But uh, make no mistake, Barry Odom knows how to slow down this Georgia Bulldogs. So, so many interesting matchups heading into this one. Cannot wait to see how it plays out. Let's kick it over to the other side, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Woo pig! And, you know, I really... My main thought with the Arkansas, now you're going up against the team that I think is the best in the SEC, the best in the country. And I'm seeing some optimism from Arkansas, but, you know, when the game comes and as we get closer and closer to this thing, you're going to see more and more people, they're going to be saying, Arkansas, you had a, you're having a hell of a season, surprise of the nation, but, and there's always that but, Georgia's too talented. You're playing at Georgia. That Athens crowd is going to be crazy. They've been hyping this game up all week. Kirby's challenging the fans. It's going to be a rocking environment against such an elite team. And most people are going to be picking the Georgia Bulldogs. And that's that's probably the way it should be, given uh, how good of a team that Kirby Smart has assembled down there in Athens. But I think in reality, that's exactly where you want to be if you're the Arkansas Razorbacks because most people were picking Texas. Most people were picking Texas A&M, and they don't give a damn about everybody could be picking Arkansas, uh, but it's not going to affect how these players prepare for the game. Uh, and I think that just being the underdog, being the, the one being slighted in this matchup, I think that's the role that Arkansas is born to play. I mean, hell, we're, we've probably got people out here now saying, well, hell, Texas A&M was overrated. Texas is overrated, even though they won their last game by 60-some-odd points. Everybody's overrated that Arkansas beats. <laughs> so that must mean Arkansas is overrated. And, hell, if Arkansas finds a way to win this game, guess who's overrated? It's going to be them Georgia Bulldogs, even though they may have the best team in the country. So that's just the way it is, and I don't think the damn Arkansas Razorbacks – are going to care one bit that everybody and their mother outside of the natural state is probably going to be leaning towards Georgia in this matchup. And I think it plays right into the hands of Sam Pittman and company. While the games keep getting bigger, everybody keeps counting your teams out because it gets tougher and tougher as it goes. Yet Arkansas continues 
they're playing better and better each week in my mind. Uh, hell, remember in the season opener against Rice, they struggled a little bit for about a half before they got it figured out. So, yeah, I think Arkansas much rather would rather be this huge underdog than a huge favorite, and uh, it certainly seems that way based on uh, everything that uh, I'm seeing from the head man here, Sam Pittman. Any update on how KJ's feeling? He's got to be pretty sore, I guess, and, and trailing also. Yeah, you know, he's sore, trailing sore. Uh, you know, um, obviously we played some good football teams and physical games, uh, but I think both of them be fine. Uh, they may not, may or may not be able to go full speed today, but um, I don't think it'll be a problem for the game. They knew you would turn you turn the program around, but it, they're surprised they're four knowing year two. How much did the uh, hitting on the three defensive line transfers and the super seniors coming back and kind of having the attitude that they have and the leadership and ability? How much did all that play into it, Coach? A lot. I mean, you know, I think when you have kids come back, it's there's twofold there. Obviously, you have some experience coming back, but you want them to come back better and. Uh, I think our kids that played last year are playing better than they did uh, uh, last year um, right now. Uh, the portal's a scary deal. You know, I think the one thing you want to do is you want to, when you go on the portal, is you want to see kids that have played at this type of level. You know, with Utsi and Trey Williams, we saw them. I mean, you know, we saw them play in the SEC. Now, Ridge, uh, Ridgeway was a different story. You know, uh, he he was at a, a smaller university, a good university, but uh, and playing really good ball. Uh, we went on his athleticism and his size, but we had no idea about the kid's heart. And he one of the finest kids you'll ever meet, and uh, and he plays hard. And so those those were all big hits for us because that's where we needed to help there at the D line as far as depth goes and as far as being able to rotate. And I think that's really helped us. I think I got this right. Georgia lost seven stars on defense. So, you know, they're Georgia. So, you know, they're going to be good. But yeah. you assume that they'll take a dip. It looks like they're better than ever. What are you seeing from their defense? And why do you think they're so good after, you know, filling so many holes? Well, their D-line, they have, you know, so much talent on the D-line. And uh, certainly um, are big, physical. You know, it starts with Davis and Carter. And, I mean, they Nolan Smith and um, – Walker and I mean they they're very very talented uh, they rotate guys as well so they keep them fresh you know and then you go back and on the and the linebacker and you know they got they have Quay Walker and Dean and and Brainy and you know they can run um, they've recruited really well there and so they're going to have depth and and uh, you know that's just Georgia and hopefully Arkansas will get that way uh, here in the soon in the near future where you know so by leaves and next guy uh, steps in he may be as good he may be better than the guy that left but that's where Georgia is and that's a credit to their staff and Kirby for recruiting. Sam you were complimentary of your assistant coaches on Saturday but I want to ask you specifically about Barry and Kendall. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you mentioned the multiplicity of, of Barry. Is anyone else doing it kind of like this? I mean what's special about having to prepare for different things every week and then for Kendall um, they talked about isolating when they saw that trailing was isolated on the corner and KJ looked the safety out. Just what is it about Kendall's game planning and game calling that that's so special? Well, let's talk about Kendall first. Um, first of all, he's fearless. 
I mean, and everything that he calls, he thinks going to work everything. It's not a question in his mind that, you know, they're going to press Burks and KJ's going to throw a wonderful ball and he's going to outrun everybody. I mean, there's not a question. Uh, it's kind of neat to be on the headsets and hear them talking about, you know, pre-snap this, this touchdown, you know, and it's kind of cool. Uh, so that's number one. His offense is quarterback driven. So if the quarterback's playing well, you're going to make yards, assuming your line's doing a good job. And, and as long as he's reading, uh, we have the perfect guy for us in KJ to, that can throw it, that can run it. He's a big guy that can hand it off. So, um, you know, I didn't, the, the, the thing I didn't know about Kendall Browse is when I hired him was what a wonderful person that he is. And, uh, and I've been very fortunate, um, to be around him and learn things through him as well. Uh, Barry, um, they just, they roll out there and whatever front they want to, uh, depending on how they can win the football game and what's happened. You know, I was talking to Trey Williams last week and he said, you know, it's kind of amazing how we can line up in this look, that look, this look, and it, all of us believe this is a way that we're going to stop our opponent. If we'll play hard and we'll play fast and we'll run to the football. And, uh, so that's very unique, um, uh, ability that Barry and his staff on defense uh, have to make our kids believe that whatever he decides or whatever they decide, whatever we decide is going to work. So it's, it's really cool, but you know, it has to work for the guys to buy in and, and it's been working um, really on both sides of the ball ever since both those guys have been here. I love these comments here with Kendall Browse. I mean, he was wheeling and dealing against them Aggies last weekend. That was one of the things I highlighted in our post-game show was his ability to manufacture offense on first down. I really did think that was key to the game. They kept the Aggies on their heels. And that is something that, uh, you know, I think I see it a little bit you can exploit here with the Georgia Bulldogs. I know uh, here it was two weeks ago, Josh Van hit the Georgia Bulldogs for a deep shot. Uh, Georgia has allowed only six passes of 20 or more yards down the field while their offense has hit 17 pass plays of 20 or more yards. So that, that goes back to what I was saying. Georgia is very effective in the downfield passing game. At least they have been to this point, and they've been very good at preventing that. So that's going to be a real challenge for Arkansas, but that uh, seems to certainly be the strength of K.J. Jefferson's game. Arkansas has got them some speed receivers, and – they've got the confidence the man with all the confidence called the play so uh you know i don't think arkansas is going back down in this challenge by any means and one other thing you know i don't know how much this really plays into it but just something i was kind of kicking around in my head sam Pittman, who knows kirby smart's defense better in the sec when it comes to offensive line coaches than sam Pittman, and he certainly knows that jordan davis and company or nolan smith uh, all these elite elite linemen are lining up across the field and that matters more than anything else but if there's one guy that knows potentially how to take advantage of if you can even take advantage is probably the wrong word but you know knows the cracks in the wall so to speak of this Georgia defensive front seven it probably is Sam Pittman so I'll be fascinated to see how he's able to coach up that offensive line this week for 
their biggest challenge of the season. And hell, we were saying the same thing going into Texas A&M, and they certainly found a way to get that done. So uh, make no mistake, I think they're going to be ready for the Georgia Bulldogs. And one last thing before we move on to uh, Ole Miss, Alabama. I just thought this was fantastic. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, I am one that responds positively. I, I'm one that responds to positive encouragement. Never have been a uh, negative encouragement type guy. And based on these comments from Sam Pittman, you see why these players play their hearts out for him. I just love this message from uh, the Arkansas head coach. I think you said on the game day package last week, the loudest you are at practice is when the team does something good. Is that something you adopted from a coaching role model of yours out of curiosity, or is that just the way you are? Where, where does that philosophy come from? Uh, it came from when I was younger, when I'd go to other practices and I'd be wowed at, at what was going on at practice. Um, I don't think you can reach your full potential out of fear. I think you can out of want to. And um, because if I'm, if I'm getting ready to take a rep and I'm worried about the coach chewing me out when, when the rep's going on, then I'm not going to play as well, in my opinion. I may be totally wrong. But if I believe that coach has confidence in me and that he's taught me what to do, I can at least go try at my highest level to complete that task. And that's what I believe. And I also believe that if someone brags on you and somebody else hears it, they want the same thing. And it kind of gets contagious. Now, you guys have been in practice. You know, I get mad and all that, you know. Uh, but most of, most of my disappointment is effort. You know, I'm... I'm not disappointed if we get whipped. We, we can teach them how to do better. And, but effort is what gets me. And if we give effort, we got a chance. So even if you're not an Arkansas fan, I mean, how could you not like a guy uh, that, uh, you know, he's just telling it like it is and this is the way he sees it. And I love the fact that he, he says, hell, I may even be wrong about this. It's just the way I do it. So uh, I love the transparency from uh, Coach Pittman. I think he's just fantastic. Brian, of course, uh, we've got another epic game here in the SEC. Let's kick it on damn to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Where the mighty Crimson Tide, number one in the nation, going to face another test. Of course, uh, going on the road to Florida was no joke, and that turned out to be a very heated contest that uh, went down to the wire. Now, different challenge here. You're getting it at home at least, but... This is a Ole Miss Rebels team that sliced and diced you last year. Remember, it was uh, this was the game where Nick Saban came out and he was making excuses. Dylan Moses came out, same thing. They're stealing our signals. You know, <laughs> I would imagine the signals have been changed in Tuscaloosa. I cannot believe that they uh, kept the same signals for three some odd years. But uh, Lane Kiffin. If he did steal signs, which I don't think he did because Ole Miss runs so damn fast, I don't know how in the world you can steal a sign in uh, the, you know, the couple of seconds it takes them to snap the ball and get that information to the offense. But it is what it is. And I, I would have to think, you know, much like Coach O said after that LSU game, we've been thinking about this one all year long. I would imagine it's the same damn thing for Nick Saban. He has got to be – you know, pulling his hair out, what hair, 
when he's not dying it, he might be pulling it out because uh, old Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral had their way with his defense last year. And if Ole Miss could <laughs> stop a cold, they may have beaten Alabama. Of course, they couldn't do it. Alabama scored every time they touched the ball. So uh, it was never really in doubt. But it was a thrilling game. And now it looks like we're getting uh, something similar because Alabama's got yet another high-flying offense. And Ole Miss has gotten that much better. Matt Corral's taken his game to another level. He may be the very best quarterback in the entire country uh, this season. So really fascinated to see this matchup on CBS, the big game here. During Coach Saban's first uh, media availability of the week, talked about the, the improvements Ole Miss has made on defense, on Alabama's downfield passing, and on what he's seeing from Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral. You know, defensively, they're really, really improved uh, from a year ago and their statistics and, you know, the way they played. Um, you know, I think they got a little different system that they're playing, um, dropping a little bit more uh, like Arkansas-like with a little more eight drops and uh, playing a little more odd type stuff. So, um, and they have done it extremely well. Uh, yeah, how would you assess the downfield passing game, and how did that 81-yard pass to uh, Jamison Williams maybe boost confidence there? Well, I, I think that you know, anytime players have success, uh, it's probably going to help their confidence. Uh, we need to continue to work on vertical passing game, good play action, um, and you know, we we were very successful in that game doing some of those things. I think to continue to do that will be. Uh, a critical factor for us. Uh, we got more players involved. Tight ends did a nice job in a game of catching balls. And um, so, you know, I think it's a big part of what we do. Try to run the ball effectively, try to throw good play action passes, throw in the RPOs and be a decent drop back team when you need to be. That's kind of what we want to continue to strive for. Hey, Coach, uh, you mentioned Matt Corral in your opening. Just what kind of progress have you seen through from him throughout the course of his career? Well, he played really well against us last year. Um, I mean, the guy's very elusive. Uh, he can extend plays, um, very accurate passer, uh, executes their offense extremely well. Um, you know, he can make plays with his feet. They do. He does pull the ball every now and then. They do have a quarterback run here and there, not a lot, but uh, just enough to, you know, sort of make you defend it on defense. But uh, the combination of things that they do in the running game and the passing game uh, they're difficult to defend, and he is about as talented as guys anybody we've seen run and pass uh, for a long time. So I think the big question going into this matchup, what, if anything, did Lane Kiffin pick up from Dan Mullen to see what was so effective against Alabama's defense on the ground? And I know it's a completely different offense, but Ole Miss last season led the SEC in rushing. Florida does now, so uh, and of course they have a more dual threat quarterback. Even even though Matt Corral sure can run, I mean, hell, he had four rushing touchdowns, I believe, in his last game. So he is a threat to run. This may be another one where Matt Corral takes off early and often if they can find advantages that they like in the uh, Alabama defense. And this is something I've been saying for a while. I don't know if I've said it on this show, but I really do believe. Of course, we say it time and time again, Nick Saban, he's the greatest of all time. There is no doubt. Hell, I mean, they just won the national championship. Seems like they play for it every year. But I really do think that 
he's lost a step when it comes to his defensive coaching. And we don't see it that often because nine times out of ten, Alabama has a, a superior advantage than their opponent, and they just cannot take advantage of uh, the issues with Alabama's defense. But like I said, we saw it last year with Ole Miss, right? We saw it last year with Florida. We saw it this year with Florida. We saw it LSU, Joe Burrow year. We saw it Clemson, Trevor Lawrence year. I mean, it takes elite talent to to find these holes in the Alabama defense, but it seems to me that they're there. And it Alabama is clearly now, I believe, more of an offensive program than they are a defensive program. So has that been shored up? What corrections has uh, Pete Golding and Nick Saban made? Everybody likes to uh, you know question Pete Golding, but we all know who's running the defensive show down there. It's Nick Saban. So he's had a year to think about it. He's had all this time. Now everybody's hyping up this Ole Miss offense as the greatest thing that's ever hit the SEC. Can they be slowed down by Alabama? That's going to be the biggest question mark for me because I think Ole Miss's offense will win that battle. But I also think that Alabama's offense, certainly while Ole Miss has made strides, not of the caliber that can uh, slow down Alabama's offense. I don't know if there is a defense uh, that can really slow down Alabama's offense. Uh, At least we have yet to see it this season on the schedule. All right, final stop around the league. Let's go down to Ole Miss. Aditari, Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin. Man, they uh, (laughs) – how many times have you seen Lane Kiffin reference the rat poison this season? He does not seem to be appreciating the fact that uh, Matt Corral's getting all this Heisman buzz, that his team is getting top ten buzz, that Alabama – you know, everybody's poking them and saying, idiots like me saying Dick Saban's lost a step and – uh, you know, they should have lost to Florida or could have and all this. It does not. And, hell, we just had Lane Kiffin on the uh, teleconference last week say, please, God, do not talk down to Alabama. When we got to play up next, you're going to take it out on us. So is this Nick Sa- Is this uh, Lane Kiffin being coy? I mean, he's played these tactics before. It was leading up to last season. He said, you know, it didn't seem like they were going to win a football game based on uh, the comments he made coming out of Oxford, yet they found a way to uh, finish the season strong. One of the hottest teams in the country won their bowl game over a top 10 opponent. And like I said, almost beat mighty Alabama. They they came uh, about as close until the Florida Gators in the SEC championship game. So what does Lane Kiffin, now that he's had two weeks to prepare, and now, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, his kind (laughs) of trying to hide what, his intentions here, you know, he keeps talking up the fact that he's not happy with where the bye week was, wishes they didn't have it. And I kind of, you know, I certainly see that. I kind of agree. I mean, you, if you're red hot, you want to keep playing. They don't have any injuries of significance here that they really needed to rest. But at the same time, he's had two weeks to prepare now for Alabama. Alabama's a team you need all the time. You can get all the film you can get to try to catch little things that you could potentially get Nick Saban's program on. So uh, how will that play out? How will it play out to Ole Miss going on the road for basically the first time uh, with real crowds here? It's going to be rocking there in Tuscaloosa, no doubt. How will Matt Corral? Matt Corral's never really faced a, a true road environment since Lane Kiffin's come aboard running this offense. Now, will that have an effect 
You know, we're going to find out real quick. There's been many a players that have Heisman buzz that have to go down and play in Tuscaloosa. And what happens? Either they basically cement winning the trophy. Maybe Matt Corral can do that on Saturday. Or they just get their resume blown up to shreds. And that certainly could happen as well if you're getting a pissed off Alabama that uh, thinks you were stealing their signals and cheating and doing all this last season. So let's kick it over to Lane Kiffin, who, again, I mean, this is, he keeps harping the same point, not happy with where the bye week was, uh, how Nick Saban stays on top like always, the origins of the rat poison comments, and I, I really like this comment, so seriously, on uh, the work being put in by Matt Corral that people don't see uh, behind the scenes that has really elevated his status as a leader there in Oxford. Maybe it came a little early because you could use it later in the season to get some guys healthy and everything. You also said the health of your team was relatively good. Um, it, it, I guess I'm asking, you know, Jake Springer and, you know, some missing pieces in the past. You feel like they're, everybody's going to be ready to go Saturday. Well, you guys know. I mean, I say the same thing all the time. I hope so. Um, I don't think the bye helped us. Um, you know, with those issues, so is what it is. Lane, this run over 15 years or so that Alabama has been on, and obviously you were there for for, for part of it. From from your perspective, what do you think has has led to the staying power that they've had? It's pretty unreal for a team to kind of have this run, especially in this, like you brought up the free agency and, and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Nick Saban, I mean. Alabama's been around a long time. They hadn't won like this, you know, for a long time or run one big for a long time. So it's not like it's just a school. It's one person. So he's been able to maintain it through tons of different players, tons of different coaches, more coaching turnover than I bet anybody's ever had. And so it's how it's by the way that he works. Um, and probably more important than anything, the way that he recruits. You know, they got great players. I think last year we played them here and, you know, they had six first-rounders. We had two draft picks. So um, he's dominated in recruiting, and now with free agency, he gets to add on to that. And he said it himself when first asked about, um, you know, free agency that, you know, is going to make the rich richer, and he was right. This is probably more curiosity than anything, but I know you've taken a liking to – Saban's rat poison line. I know he said it after you'd left, but was that something that you'd heard from him internally while you were there or just kind of what has led you to liking that piece of wisdom so much? He did not. That was new. Somebody must have given it to him after I left. So um, I just think it's really good, especially the way he explained it. You know, it's like drinking rat poison. That's pretty good. So I would say Lonnie or Dr. Elko must have given him that one. It's pretty good. Lane, we see the big arm and the, the accuracy of Matt Corral and his statistics and what he does every Saturday. What are the intangibles you see in him that make him the quarterback that he is? The things that we don't see just by watching the game. Well, I think that he's here at 5.30 in the morning, you know, every morning in the way that he prepares and, um, you know, comes to meetings, his approach to it, him getting on the players, uh, you know, when they're not – doing things right, even defensively. So, you know, really those leadership things, um, you know, when you guys aren't looking. 
you know, last year's Alabama team, great team. This year's team, another great team. Um, both in their own right, though, both unique. Just what uh, makes this year's team, you know, special that you've seen from them? I think they're even better. You know, I said last year was a great team, and I think people, you know, I said maybe his best team ever. I think people think I was just saying that leading up to the game. But then you look and, you know, they run the table and not really close games. I think somebody said, you know, in the last two years, only Florida and Ole Miss have scored over 24 points against them. So, you know, and I think they're better on defense. Uh, you know, with the Tennessee linebacker, you know, added in. 31's now older. Um, you know, he's as good as any rusher in the country. So, you know, we'll have our hands full. All right, so we've got plenty of days to discuss these matchups and I wish they were tomorrow, but uh, we've got a whole week to go through uh, before we get to these two matchups and so many more in the SEC. Cousin Shane will be back on the next show. We'll be breaking down a lot more of the games we got this week, and I'm going to work on getting us some guests to really break down these big matchups. Those interviews seem to be going over really well with uh, the audience, so I do appreciate each and every one of you, and that's all I got. I'll catch you on the next one.